interesting thing happens in my house every night about 6.30. Might be the same in your house too. I wrote about this a few weeks ago in one of the responses. Um, but every night at 6.30, that is whenever it's time to start getting my three boys ready for bed. And usually it happens kind of the same way. I walk into their room and there's kind of toys from one end of the room to the other. And they're contentedly playing away and I come in and I say as clearly as I can, as earnestly as I can, where I'm certain they can hear me, I say, boys, it's time to clean up and get ready for bed now. You know the most interesting thing happens, and it happens every time. You know what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. I get down really close, Hutchinson, I want you to pick this up and put it over here. No response. Lynn, I want you to take off your dirty clothes and put on your pajamas that I've laid out here for you. I'm speaking to you. Nothing happens. It's so interesting. I'm, I'm looking to see, is there something in their ear? I'm, I'm really thinking that I'm speaking out loud, that they can hear me. I'm almost certain. But you know the interesting thing is, if I were to say something different, I would get an immediate reaction. If I walk in, and all I really have to do is say the word candy. If I say the word candy, whoo, straight attention, right there. I mean, they are fully engaged with me. If I say, you want a popsicle? Immediate action. They're on their feet, they're looking, they're engaged, they're alert, they're responding. So what's, what's the difference? What does that teach us? What does it show us? I'm sure you've noticed the same thing in your houses. It shows us that the ear is always connected to the heart. It's what is in our heart that determines what we hear, how we hear it, and how what we hear affects us. It's in the heart. And we're not all that different, are we? I mean, there are so many things that we just don't hear. I mean, we don't listen to it. We don't respond to it. Sure, we hear the noise, but it doesn't change what we do. It doesn't change us. It doesn't draw our attention. So we see this dynamic that the ear is always connected to the heart. In our passage, uh, we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And this morning we're starting a series on the parables that we'll go throughout the summer. And the interesting thing about this parable, the parable of the sower, is that in all three of the Gospels that it's in, it's the first one. The parable of the sower is kind of like a parable about parables. It's a parable that teaches you how to hear the words of Jesus and respond to them in your life. That's, that's what the purpose of it is. First off, a little note about the nature of parables and what, why Jesus spoke in parables, what was the purpose. In our passage, our passage is quite long. We, we jumped over a section in the middle. We've read Jesus telling the parable and then we read him explaining it. But there's a whole middle section where Jesus begins to discuss why it was that he constantly spoke in parables. Now, if we were to just read the first part of this parable, you might notice how it might be hard to understand. What exactly is he talking about? And that is the nature of parables. They are intentionally ambiguous. And that's for a reason. Because what they're intended to drive you to do is to ponder. 
is to consider, is to hear his words and actually try, actually give it some effort to dwell upon it and to say, what does he mean by this? And what does it mean for me? Right after he shares the parable to the crowds, he's away with his disciples right here, and his disciples come up and they say, Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? And he says to them, the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but not to them. I'm speaking in parables so that though hearing, they might not hear. Though seeing, they might not see. The, the purpose of parables is to make those who have embraced him, those who are on the inside, those whose hearts are soft to him, is that they might come to understand. So the function of a parable is to reveal to those, to reveal truth to those who are ready to respond. But to those whose hearts are closed off to him, the function of the parable is actually to conceal. It's actually to blind. So what's the purpose in all of that? Well, Jesus' parables will not let you remain neutral. They force you off of the fence, so to speak. You've got to move one way or another. Either you will respond and ponder and apply, or you will harden and say that makes no sense. That's the purpose of the parables. So we come to this parable, which is a parable of parables, and it's a story about a farmer who goes out into the field to sow seeds. Now, this image might be a little bit distant to us. We don't have a lot of farmers in here. In Jesus' day, and this is kind of, most of the parables require some cultural knowledge. He's speaking to a particular people in his culture. And so, I've prepared a little visual for us to help us imagine what it might be like for a farmer to go out and to sow seeds. He would take a little bag of seed like this, and he would walk out into the field, and he would take the seed in his hand, and he would begin walking through the field, and he would be begin just sowing the seed like that. And I'll clean that up later. <laughs> he just walked through the field with the seed, just sowing the seed all around the field. And now one of the things to notice in this parable is that the seed is who we learn later in the story. The seed is, as he says in verse 19, the seed is the message of the kingdom. It's the words of Jesus, the words about Jesus, the, the message of what Jesus has come to do and what is the nature of his kingdom. It's God's word. That's what the seed is, the words of Jesus. And one of the things to notice just about the image is that the reason he would use seed to describe his word is that a seed has potential in it. It's got energy and life and power in it, so much so that if this seed gets planted and all of the conditions are right, you can guarantee this little seed is going to grow into a crop. It's going to grow. It's going to produce a yield. It will bear fruit. Because you see, the potential, the life, is in the seed. That's where the power is. But the emphasis in this parable is not just on the seed. It's what happens to the seed as it falls on different ground. So the emphasis here is the four kind of soils that the seed falls upon. And what he's talking about here is the heart. It's four different kinds of hearts and how they respond 
to the words of Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. So Jesus says as the farmer goes out to sow the seed, and he's sowing around, inevitably, some of the seed falls on a path. Now think about the path here. The path has been walked upon and driven upon, and it's been beaten down, kind of like a parking lot out here. You know, if, if the seed were to fall on the path, as it inevitably does as you're out sowing seed, the seed cannot penetrate. It cannot set roots down. It can't take root. It can't mature. It can't do anything. In fact, whenever a farmer is out sowing, one of the things you notice is that the birds take notice. The birds will kind of follow you around. And whenever they see that seed that's falling on the path, it's easy to see. It's easy to snatch up. But they come right in and just eat it up right there. So there's never a chance for the path it's kind of common sense, right? It's never a chance for it to take root there. Jesus says the path, as he goes on to explain it in the second part, the path is the hardened heart. It's the heart that whenever the, the message of the kingdom, the words of Jesus come in, because the heart is hard, it can't take root. It, it cannot grow. It cannot mature. It can't do anything. And in fact, Jesus explains this unseen reality is actually going on in the hardened heart. Satan comes in and snatches it right up. So, whenever the seed falls in the hardened heart, it can't do anything. It just gets snatched up. As the sower is going out, some of the other seed where it falls on rocky soil. Now, he's not talking about just soil that's got a lot lot of rocks in it. He's talking about soil that has a bedrock right underneath it. In other words, the soil is really shallow. And one of the things about this shallow kind of soil is it'll get really warm because the rocks underneath, it'll get really warm. And so sometimes whenever the seed falls upon that kind of soil, it'll pop up really quick. There'll be an initial enthusiastic response. You know, you, you'll see a lot of growth. It's very promising at first sight. But because the soil is shallow, because it cannot put down roots, it cannot mature, whenever the inevitable, hard, dry, sunny, hot days come, it just withers away. It cannot withstand the elements because it has no root. Now Jesus, as he goes on to describe this, he says, this is like the shallow heart. This is, this is the person who hears the message of the kingdom and initially there's an enthusiastic response. In fact, this might look very, very exciting to people who might be around them. There's a great zeal, uh, enthusiasm. It looks very promising. But the problem is it's shallow. It's not deep. There's no maturing. There's no growing any further than the initial response. And what Jesus says is that whenever the hardships and the circumstances of life and the persecutions bear down upon you, this person with no root, they just wither away. And circumstances and hardships and troubles, they're inevitable. Jesus promises these will come. In fact, this life, the Christian life, is a life of testing. It's like Israel pilgrimaging through the wilderness together, through the desert. That's the nature of this life. And so if there's no maturity, if there's, there's no deep rootedness, you just wither away. 
as the farmer is going through the field, some of the other seeds, when they fall among weeds and thorns. This is inevitable in a field. There's different patches of thorns. You'll even notice them out here in the parking lot. Well, as you can imagine, seed that falls into the, the thorns and the weeds, it's impossible for it to mature and grow. It, it gets outcompeted by the other things that are growing there. The things about the reality about thorns and weeds is that they're vigorous. They're far more vigorous than the good seed is. And so the seed that falls in among them, well, it, it gets outcompeted. It gets choked out. The, the thorns and the weeds, as they're growing, they're stealing all the sunlight. They're stealing all the, the moisture and the nutrients, just soaking it all up so, so it cannot mature. Well, Jesus goes on to say, this is the divided heart. This is the one who hears the message of the kingdom, hears the words of the Jesus, but because of all the competing priorities in their heart and in their life, it cannot mature. It's, it's the distraction of all the things that's going on in this person's life that, that the words of Jesus, they cannot take root. They, they get, they get out-competed for, for time and attention and energy by all these other things. He lists out two things here. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. You know, worry is a thing in our culture that's almost seen as a virtue. Right? If, you're, if, you, if you worry in, in, uh, in our culture, then you're almost respected as somebody who really cares. Well, they're serious about it, right? If they're just going around worrying about stuff, that means they're earnest. They're serious. That's a good thing. Or at worst, we think in our therapeutic culture, it's just a condition that's taking you over. But the reality is, is that Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount is that worry is a heart problem. Worry is a sin issue. And as Jesus describes it in the Sermon on the Mount, he says it's a problem of priority. See, the problem whenever your life is eaten up with worries, it means that all kinds of other things have become too important in your life. Things have become too consuming for you. And they just, they just dominate you. You know what Jesus' remedy is for worry? He says, seek first his kingdom. Seek the kingdom above all other things. That's Jesus' remedy for worry. Thanks, Jesus. Seek first the kingdom. And all of these other things, he'll take care of those. He'll give you those things. Make his kingdom your first priority. That's the remedy to worry. And that's the problem with things, the worries that choke us out. The deceitfulness of riches is very similar. You know, it's, it's all of the, the pursuits that we have. And the thing about chasing after things and experiences and status and possessions and success, the thing about all of that is that it deceives you. It reduces your life to what you have or what you've done. Right? It, it, it deceives the whole life. And Jesus' point here is that those things, they crowd it out. They choke it out. It, it, it can never, the, the words of the kingdom can never take root and bear fruit in your life. But as the farmer's going out, still there is a fourth kind of ground that the seed falls upon. And that is the good soil. You know, this, this is the soil that's soft. It's been broken. 
whenever the seed falls into the good soil, it makes a lot of contact. There's a lot of surface contact. It's able very easily to send down roots to begin to mature and to yield a harvest. Jesus is saying the good soil, that's like the good heart. It's the, the responsive heart. You see, that's the one that hears my words and responds. It's the one that hears my words and works to understand them. That embraces them. That lets the words of Jesus affect you and applies them into your life. And Jesus says to those who embrace my words in this way, you will bear fruit. So that's the picture of the sower there. So what do we think Jesus intends for us to take away from this? What does this mean for us? Well, I think essentially Jesus intends for us to ask this question. What soil am I? What soil am I? What soil are you? Are you like the path? Your heart is hardened to Jesus and you hear his words, you heard it read, you're hearing it preached and it's just, it just not doing much for you. It doesn't move you. It doesn't drive you to consider. In fact, it'll probably be forgotten after this. Maybe the only thing you hear is your growling stomach. The hardened heart cannot receive the words. Or perhaps you're the rocky soul. Perhaps circumstances in your life have totally overwhelmed the word in your life. Maybe there was a time in your past where you received the message of the gospel with great enthusiasm, with great zeal. You were filled with joy and excitement over the things of God. But as always happens, the hardships of life came. Things didn't work out. Dreams didn't come true. Things got hard. And it just kind of withered your faith away. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of living on a past faith. Maybe you're looking back to some point in your life where you had a response, where you walked an aisle, where you responded to Jesus, and your faith is now in your prior faith. And you're like rocky soil. There's no depth. There's no growth. Perhaps this morning you're like the thorny soil. The, the message of the, the kingdom comes in, but there's, there's so many worries and pursuits and things that you're chasing after in your life that it just chokes it out. That your, your other allegiances and loyalties and things that you're really after, it sidelines your allegiance to the kingdom. You know, this is probably the greatest danger for us this kind of soil, the thorny soil. In a consumeristic culture where we are so busy chasing after life and things. It's always the next thing, the next experience, this hobby, this being a part of this crowd. We're always running after things. And it chokes out the word in us. Busyness. You know, I heard just the other day on the radio this this uh, person was kind of new to America and they were trying to learn English and they were trying to do it conversationally and they were having a little trouble with their greeting because anytime they would meet somebody they would, end, they would say their name and they would say, I'm really busy. 
You see, if they were meeting people, that was always a part of the greeting in America. Hey, how you doing? I'm really busy. Isn't that true of us? And it's just getting worse and worse. Our busyness will choke out the Word in us. Just the other day, I was at Covenant. I went to the Covenant gym. I'm trying to get in a routine here. It's not working so well. But I went to Covenant, and I just signed in, and I went over to this spot. So I was going to another spot, and I saw somebody come in that was signing in to work out. It was a young lady that I know I've met before, and I should know her name. You know that? Where you see somebody, and you should know their name, and you're like, I really need to speak here, but I'm not sure on the name. So I was thinking in my mind, Grace. I'm thinking, name is Grace here. So I'm, I'm just going to go with Grace. I'm going to take a chance. And so I said, there's a few other people in the room, and I said, Grace, Grace. No response at all. <laughs> she just keeps signing in her name, and I'm hollering Grace, and she's just walking away. It was embarrassing. You ever had that experience? You're talking to somebody, and they totally don't hear you at all. You know what I realized? I realized she had earbuds in. I didn't see them. You know, the, the, the earbuds are the, the little uh, iPhone earpieces that go in here. The headphones, but you don't notice headphones. And uh, so she was there, but she was in a totally another place. I mean, I could have done backflips. I could have done a cartwheel. She would have had no idea I was there because she was totally distracted. Now, the good thing is I went up and I looked where she signed in. Her name wasn't Grace. So it was actually good that she had the earbuds in. But you see, that's what it's like for us. We are so distracted by the stuff in our life and by all the worries in our life. Your worry is often about a very good thing. Our children, our homes, our name, the things that we have. And it just totally distracts us from the Word. It chokes it out. It cannot mature. And Jesus is saying, Hear me. Hear my words to you. So there's a fourth kind of sorrow as the sower's out. Perhaps some of, some of us this morning are like the good soil. Perhaps your heart is eager to hear His Word and respond. Perhaps you're hungry for His Word. Perhaps you're like the disciples that go to Him and say, I need you to explain this to me because I want to hear you and I want to know what you have to say to me. You know, one of the things that Jesus says, how you can tell what kind of soul you are, is are you bearing fruit? You see, the reality is, is if our hearts are good, that is responsive to His words, Jesus says, you will bear fruit. Because the potential, the energy, is in the Word. Our part is how we respond. And it's His fruit. It's not our fruit. It's His fruit in us, as we saw two weeks ago in Galatians. It's as His will and the power of His Spirit is at work in our hearts, He produces love, joy, peace, patience. Is He producing fruit in you? Maybe the best question we can ask is not just what soil are you, but what soil do you want to be? Jesus doesn't just tell us this so that we would identify different soils and just let it be. He says this to us so that we would respond to what He's saying. So that we would say, 
I want to change. I want to respond to you so that your word takes root in me. So if you want to respond in that way, if you want to become good soil, it requires a certain kind of response in us. Right? We have to do certain things. You might have to, like, take some rocks out. Right? You might have to remove some distractions. You might have to work at it. Like, really work at understanding what Jesus is saying. That's the thing about His words. He wants to trouble you with them so that you ponder them. So that you think. So that you consider them. You know, a quick glance at Scripture is probably not enough. An occasional sitting in church is just not going to be enough. It's going to require far more to hear, to let the roots go down into a heart. And you know, it's probably going to require pulling up some weeds, removing some thorns. There might have to be things in your life that you say, it's too much. It's choking out what is far more important. There might be things that are good, things that are dominating us, that we're chasing after, that we're running after, that we say, i got to say no to this to pursue something far better. You see, what Jesus is after this morning is that our hearts would be responsive to His words. So we started out talking about how my boys sometimes can have a hard time understanding and hearing. They can be a little distracted. I have a little confession to make. They come by it honestly. Anybody that knows me very well knows that I'm very distracted whenever I'm in a room and there's a TV going on. I've been this way ever since I was a little boy. You can ask my mom. For some reason, I just, maybe it's my love for TV, but I'm distracted, you know? So I'll be in a room with somebody, we're having a conversation, and I'm not really there. I'm trying to engage, but I'm distracted. Or if I'm on the phone and the TV's on, we're not going to be engaged here. You know what I have to do? I have to cut it off. And I have to say, okay, let's engage. Tell me what you're saying, and I'm going to respond to you. That's what Jesus is after in this parable to us. He's saying, look at me. Hear me. Respond to my words. Let my words fall on a soft heart so that it impacts you. You've got to be willing to let him meddle around in your life. And Jesus says, if my words take root in you, He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. That is for the glory of my Father. That's His promise. If we will embrace His words with soft hearts, He will bear much fruit in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, You know 